our morning services. Um, originally, we were going to do this series up until Easter, but I've just loved it so much. I've just continued. Sorry. It's just... But um, the heart of Jesus, I just can't get enough. We made that commitment at the beginning of the new year that we want to know Jesus better and go deeper into our relationship with him. And uh, we have been doing that over the, the weeks and the months together. Just a few scriptures today um, to focus on. And uh, these are just truth that we can receive from God today. From Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then from Romans 8, verse 14 to 17, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I want to tell you a story um, this morning and it's a testimony. Um, I came across this story, first of all, in Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Grace. Recommend it to anybody. Fantastic book. And within it was this a testimony from a lady called Stephanie Fast, who has also written her own book called You Are Mine. And uh, I was just so impacted by her story that um, as I prepared this week for um, this message, I just thought, I, I want to tell you this story if you haven't heard it before. Stephanie grew up in Korea around the time of the Korean War. That's when she was conceived in the 50s. She says that she never knew her father she suspects that he was an American soldier. She doesn't exactly know where or when she was born or even her birth name. Her earliest memory was of a harvest festival. There was fun and games and food, but also she remembers very clearly a family argument and her mother looking very sad. You see, after the war, mixed-race children were not accepted in Korea. They were a reminder of the ugliness of the war and rejected because of that. And her mother, who had had a baby um, out of marriage, was kind of shunned, but she was offered another marriage to a Korean man, but her baby was not included in that future. Finally, a decision was made that her mother would marry this man and she would entrust her child to somebody else. Not uncommon in Korea at that time, 
And Stephanie was told that she was going to live with her uncle. And she was put on a train, aged five, and told to get off when all the other people did, and her uncle would be there to meet her. She got off the train with the other people, and no one came for her. And she waited, and she waited. The station master shooed her away from the station, calling her a toogie, which is a nasty word for half-breed. It means garbage, bastard, little devil. And that became a familiar name to her, a toogie. She doesn't know if she ever had an uncle. She doesn't know if she got off at the wrong station. But for two or three years, she managed to survive, living rough, stealing food, keeping alive. Many will know that I had a trip to North Korea a few years ago, and we did see children just on their own. We were quickly moved on whenever one appeared, because we had been told that there are none like that in North Korea. But don't forget that this was South Korea just after the war. She made her way to the biggest city nearby called Daejeon, and she ended up in what was called a sort of children's village. It was a slum run by children, by little gangs, a kind of orphan village. And at first she was accepted, and then she became a sort of plaything for the older boys. Then cholera struck. There was an epidemic, and she came, became very, very sick. And one day, she was found by a lady called Iris Eriksson. She was a, vi a world vision nurse from Sweden. And Stephanie calls Iris my savior before Jesus. Iris's ministry was rescuing abandoned babies from the streets of Daejeon. They ran a clinic and an orphanage. But they didn't normally take older children, just babies. And Iris was about to leave without Stephanie when she heard a voice. And she describes in her testimony of this in Stephanie's book that she heard an audible voice. And God said, She's mine. She's mine. She knew it was God, so she took Stephanie to the clinic and then transferred her to the orphanage. Stephanie was one of the oldest children there, and her job was to care for the babies. Rounds of changing nappies, washing nappies. And she says she loved the babies. She remembers every time that she went into the baby section, they would all put their arms up. And she would hold them and cuddle them. And every once in a while, one would disappear. One day, the director told her that an American couple were coming to pick out a baby boy. 
she had to get the babies ready to present them, to wash them and brush their hair. And she remembers a very tall man and woman arriving speaking in English. And they had an interpreter with them. And the man went and looked at all the babies and he would pick them up one by one and tuck them under his neck. She had never seen a man hold a baby like that before. He held each one of them and he kissed them one by one. And she remembers this man getting nearer and nearer to her. And then she says she, that he looked her straight in the eye. She was about nine years old. She'd been at the orphanage for two years. He got down on his haunches. This is the man, by the way. Looked straight into my eyes. He stroked my face, she says. It felt so nice. The first time I remember anyone had done that. So I yanked his, his hand off my face and spat on him twice. And ran away. This could have been the end of Stephanie's story, but the next day, the man and the woman came back. She was called into the office. She thought that she was in trouble. It may be a beating as punishment for what she had done. But she was told that this couple wanted to take her to their home. David and Judy Merwin, newly arrived missionaries from America. They said, this is the child we want. Stephanie didn't quite understand what was happening. She thought that she was going to this home to be a servant. But she was okay with that. She could pay off their kindness. She could earn her room and board. The Merwins, who had expected to adopt a baby boy, were planning to call the boy Stephen, named their little girl Stephanie. And everything was new for Stephanie. The wonders of it all. They had a fridge. She'd never seen a fridge before. They had a toilet that flushed. She'd never seen one of those before. She was given a bed to sleep in, which was the first bed, proper bed of her own, that she'd ever had. She thought this would be a really fun place to work. And she got cleaned up and healthy. And they kept feeding her and buying her new clothes and never put her to work, which confused her. And she would go out with them and everyone would treat her as if she was something wonderful and no one called her a toogie again. Then one girl said to her, you smell American. What do you mean? You smell like cheese. Apparently, I, apparently Americans smell like cheese to Koreans. I don't know why. I hope it wasn't stinking bishop and those kind of cheese. Some sort of nice cheese. No, she said, I'm not an American. But these Americans are really funny. They haven't put me to work yet. And the girl looked at her with surprise and said, Stephanie, don't you realize you are their daughter? I'm not their daughter, she said. And the girl said, yes, you are her, their daughter. 
And she turned and ran back into house thinking, I'm their daughter, I'm their daughter. That's why I've not been put to work. That's why I've been treated in this way. She ran into the house, declared in Korean, I'm your daughter. And her mum said, yes, Stephanie, you are my daughter and I love you. If you want to read the full story, the book is She Is Mine by Stephanie Fast. And there were years of healing and restoration, much to work through, as you can imagine. And Stephanie gave her heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And she was adopted by a heavenly father who said, I love you, you are mine. She writes in her testimony, Jesus knows me and he still loves me. He knows everything about me and he still loves me. He understands me. He walked in my shoes. Jesus was a toogie too. I have a heavenly father who loves me. She has been working for years as an advocate for orphans around the globe. She has her own destiny ministries um, and I came across one of, uh, could we go to that picture right at the end? I don't know if you can read it, but it's a beautiful picture, part of her website. Lost, found, rejection, acceptance, fear, faith, doubt, hope, chaos, divine peace, abuse, healing. Stephanie's story is amazing. but it's our story too. May not in all the details, but it's our story too. We have been chosen. Adopted. Cleaned up. Set free. We're still working through some of the stuff, but that's okay. And this Heart of Jesus series, we have discovered again God's amazing grace and love for us. We are sons and daughters of God. So when we know that, we have a choice. There are two ways to live the Christian life. You can live it for the heart of Jesus, which is good, or from the heart of Jesus, which is better. You can live for the smile of God, which is good. Or you can live from the smile of God, which is better. You can live for a new identity as a son or daughter of God, or you can live from a new identity as a son or daughter of God. One of the battles of the Christian life is to bring our own hearts into alignment with Christ's heart, the heart of Jesus, replacing our natural orphan mindset with the mindset that we are a child of God. We have received full and free adoption into the family of God through the work of Jesus, our Savior, who loved us and gave himself for us. The purpose of this message this morning is to try and seek to bring our heart in line with the heart of Christ. 
and our tendency to function out of a belief that obedience strengthens God's love for us is actually not true. He loves us, full stop. Our works, our performance have no bearing on his love for us. The heart of the gospel is that we are made right with God based on what Christ has done and on nothing we have done. And you know, we believe it, don't we? But we don't always live like it. Lawish ways creep back in to our hearts from time to time. We easily slip back into a legal spirit or an orphan spirit. Paul addressed this very thing in the letter to the Galatians. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? Galatians 3 verse 3. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, you're now trying to finish by means of the flesh. How depressing is that? The central message of Paul's letter to the Galatians is the freeness, if that's a word, of God's grace. That His grace and his love is not just the gateway, but also the pathway of the Christian life. And our obedience to Jesus and to his ways comes out of love for him. It's an overflow of our gratitude and our love for him, not of a demand, not of a payback. but just such gratitude. To have a healthy heart is to have the heart of Christ. John Newton, you'll know from him as a hymn writer and a pastor, also as a slave trader at one point, who wrote Amazing Grace, the most amazing song. Wrote to his friend in 1767 who was struggling with these things. He said, our sins are many, but his mercies are more. Our sins are great, but his righteousness is greater. We are weak, but he is strong. Most of our complaints are owing to unbelief and the remainder of a legal spirit. We have been adopted by a heavenly father. He even goes further, Paul. He always goes a bit further. Those who rely on the law are under a curse. Strange thing to say, isn't it? Those who rely on the law are under a curse. Galatians 3 verse 10. All who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. No, not those who do works are under a curse. Works are good. Works are an overflow of faith. Read James. Read Paul. But here he says reliance on good works... For salvation, that's what he means, brings us under a curse. What he means by that is we do not receive salvation because it's a gift. You cannot earn it. You rely on works, I'm sorry. It's not going to be good enough. And that's the sadness, isn't it, of folks who don't need a saviour or don't feel they need a saviour. Maybe they don't believe that God exists. 
Maybe they don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Maybe they've been blinded to the truth. I was for many years. I couldn't see it. But for those who rely on good works, it's just a dead end. We need Jesus. We need a saviour. And as his gospel sinks deeper into our hearts, we live ever deeper in the heart of Christ, the heart of Jesus. Freedom comes from that understanding. Galatians 5 verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again to the yoke of slavery. Remember that line of Paul, the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Imprint that on your heart. The son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. His heart is never diminished any more than the sun's existence can be threatened by a few passing of wispy clouds or even a thunderstorm. The sun will shine again. Promise it will. Even on a cloudy day, it will pass. Even when the thunderstorm comes, it will pass. We who are in Christ Jesus no longer look to the future for judgment. We look to the past. At the cross, Jesus paid the price for us. Our destiny is secure in Christ. We do not look forward to the future for judgment. We look back to the cross where Jesus paid for it all. Past, present, future. We are ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. By his grace, we have been set free. We have been adopted into his family, chosen, loved, set free. For God says over you and for me, if we trust in Jesus, she is mine. He is mine. And we say, I am yours. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask the band to come back. I'm going to worship together, responding to the great love of God for us this morning.